0: In October of this year, I went back to Grapevine, Texas for my 30-year high school reunion. While I was there, a good friend of mine invited me to the Fellowship Church. And the Fellowship Church, if you don't know, is the fourth largest Christian megachurch in the nation. And it's right there in my hometown. And I was like, sure, let's go. Let's find out what this is about. And it was really great, because Pastor Ed, their pastor, got up and gave this great sermon about how football and Christianity interact. <laughs> now, if you read the introduction to the, today's sermon, you're going really? But I'm going to tell you, the first half, of, the first part of this sermon is kind of inspired and a uh, little bit of a it's inspired by his sermon. So we're going we're to go back here. We're going to talk about how football and Christianity can be aligned. So in football, you can have a fan, a rainy day fan, a fan that looks outside and says, well, maybe I don't want to go today. Maybe, you know, it's on the television. Do we really need to actually go out and sit for hours at the, at the service? Or, you know, we could go shopping. I, you know, I don't really want to go today. Maybe, maybe show up a couple times a year. Um, I, I'm like that, I, I don't know if any of you are Rainy Day fans, I'm kind of like that with the San Jose Giants. You can raise your hand, admit this if you want to. You don't have to, I'm not going to call you. <laughs> so then, you have the regular fans. And these are the fans who show up to almost all the games. Maybe they have season tickets. And they're there, they follow the team, but maybe they're not super, super involved. So you've got your rainy day fans. And in faith, these are going to be your Easter or your high holidays, faith. <coughs> with the regular fans, these are going to be your every day. Thank you for being re- at least regular fans here today. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and now we move over to the superfan. So the superfan are the ones that are out there tailgating, maybe with their beers and they're arguing with their friends and the other people at the tailgate about when they should fire the coach and who's the best player, and they're there, they painted their faces, they're ready for the game. These are the people that really, really are engaged in the football team. And then you have the team. Now, the team is the people that are on the field. They're taking the hits. They're working hard so that the superfans and the fans and all these others can cheer when the team gets a score. Now, this is where the hard part starts to happen. This is when you're doing the work. Now, the superfan, they're out there. They're doing work. And in a faith-based community, maybe that's you're in, you're in religious education. You are working in the church. You've taken a role in the church. The team is taking that, the team member has taken that next step. And at the, the this Fellowship Church, they have 800 volunteers running this church. 800 volunteers to run the church that are helping run the church. The volunteers, they're maybe, you know, doing uh, for us religious education. Or they're participating on another committee. And then finally, you get over here, and you get the coach. And the coach is the one that's really deeply involved and is doing the hard work, or has done the hard work, and is now taking what they have learned to the team. And they're teaching how, what all they have learned, how these folks can be better. You need a coach. You need a coach for a team to get better. Even in little league, some of you have probably had a little league, you've been a little league parent. Maybe you've been a little league coach. These little league kids that are playing these games cannot get better without a coach. Even a coach that maybe doesn't know exactly what they're doing but has read something on the internet and is trying really hard. (laughs) But this is, and in ministry and in church, this is probably moving into lay ministry, worship associate, thank you Mary for being here helping me today, or going into seminary and really deepening that faith. So in football, this analogy works really well. You have, the, and, and, and in, in Christianity, in this church, it worked really well for them because they were trying to move people from having walked into the door into really helping with the church, and maybe even moving into helping with their ministry. So this is great. This great work, great for, for the Fellowship Church. Works off, awfully well for most Christian faiths. Um, but, I knew there was a but coming, probably. But what does that look like for us, for Unitarian Universalists? Maybe it works great. Maybe you have a background in a Christian faith that still really works for you and you can find people around you and you're following that path. Maybe you are a meditator and somebody that follows that and you can come and meditate here. Maybe you are one of millions of Muslims and you can pray five times a day, every day, as part of that team. But maybe, maybe that path isn't there for you. Maybe that path is a little different. Maybe it's a little less travel. So, I'm going to take another analogy, and I'm going to use our lovely branch here. And we're going to talk about what your path may have looked like, and this is not going to be true for everyone because each of you are individuals and we're use. so your mileage may vary. But let's say we start over here. This is probably Mary's Catholic upbringing. This is a, you know, a lot of people following this path. You're marching along with, with a lot of people at Pastor Ed's Fellowship Church. You know, they're all big groups. And then you get here, and this is a decision point. You get maybe you have a crisis of faith. Maybe you're not sure that this this Christian thing really works for you anymore, and you're going to take this path. Take a little wiggly path, and you're coming over here, oh no, you got another decision point. Now maybe this decision point is, involves somebody giving you, telling you about the Norse mythology or the Greek mythology in a way that deepens your understanding of that, in a way that's not fodder for Marvel Comics, for instance. So maybe you've got some Greek mythology and you're picking up, and maybe you're, well, you've got some Muslim and some atheist, and, and now you're down here in some, oh boy, you're kind of lost in some of this weeds. <laughs> now, it's also possible that you met somebody that's also down in these weeds, and, and you're not sure how you're going to bring those two branches together, and so you come here. <laughs> and you know there are some families out there in touching each other probably now. So, do any of you know who uh, Colin O'Brady is? Colin O'Brady, anyone? Okay, we got one and maybe a couple. How about uh, Gertrude Ederle? Anyone heard of Gertrude Ederle? Okay, got a couple over here, good. You guys know more than the first service? Excellent, good job. Uh, So, Colin O'Brady just completed his journey as the first person to cross Antarctica, solo, and unable. Okay, so now that's what we've heard of. Okay, and he did this without kites, just walking. He, was, he pulled a 400-pound sled behind him. Out there for, what was it, 70 days? Yeah, 70 days, 1,000 miles, across frozen continent by himself. Gertrude Ederle was the first woman to swim across the English Channel by herself. This was in 1926. She was 19. And it was 21 miles from France where she came in to Dover, England. And it was very cold water. There were a couple of squalls while she was going along. But she completed it in 14 and a half hours under her own power. So these two people were on deeply personal and alone trips. But do you think they actually did it alone? Do you think Colin had a boat drop him off on an ice shelf and say, see you later, I'm good? And the answer is no. So to, get, to do this trip, he had, he had to take 8,000 calories a day of food with him. 8,000 calories. That's like one bloomin' onion. But it, it was probably... It's probably in better caloric form than that. But he also, so he worked with this group of um, nutritionists to figure out how to build the perfect uh, nutrition for him. But he also had a satellite phone and every day he would call in. He had a trainer, he had a manager that he would check in with to make sure, you know, I'm doing okay, I'm not, not, you know, I haven't had equipment failure, I'm not lost. And if he didn't call in, they would go get him. So he's out there, but people are watching out for him. Now how about Gertrude? Do you think Gertrude just jumped into the water and just started swimming? No is the answer. Good. So (laughs) next to Gertrude on that swim was a boat. And in that boat was a coach. She'd hired this man, and I didn't write down his name, and I should have, but she hired this man. He had swum the channel before. Uh, there had been men that swum the channel. She was the first woman. He was there he, to help her move along, right? And he had trained her for over a year to make sure that she knew what she was doing and was not going to get in trouble. Also in that boat was her father and her sister as cheerleaders. Go! 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 And her father had promised her a car. <laughs> and she got to Dover. So she had her own goal to get across, but, you know, there's a car at the end, right? This not good. So we had cheerleaders, we had coaches. Colin had cheerleaders, he had coaches, he had people watching Alfredo. So they were traveling alone. But they had support. So no matter what your journey, whether you're going down a field, whether you're going across water, going across ice, or going across the journey of your soul, it's helpful to have coaches and cheerleaders and people that are on your side to help you go where you need to go. So as we head into the new year, maybe it's time to consider your personal journey, spiritual journey. So one of the ways I serve this community is I'm on the Committee on Ministry. And maybe some of you know what this is, maybe some of you don't, so I'll tell you about it. Its role is to protect and support the ministry of this church. We provide feedback to the ministers, we get feedback from the ministers, we listen to what you have to say. If you have a concern about the ministry of the church, please feel free to come and talk to me at any point. And we want this church to be part of your (coughs) religious life. We want to support you and be powerful in what you seek. You know, for some of us, a religion has lost its urgency, right? You, there's lots to do on Sunday mornings. There's lots to do on Wednesday evenings when there's a religious education. There's TV, there's shopping, all the things that the rainy day fans talked about over here. But you need to be here to get that community, to get that support for your spiritual journey. So if that resonates with you and you want some of that support, there's plenty of ways to do that. And here's some of the UUCPA teams that you could join. So I, I looked it up, and this is just a few of them. There's many, many more. If you want, you can go to the website or talk to. There's Dan right over there. You can go find him later, and you can talk to him. Uh, But there's adult choir, By Your Side Singers, forum, meditation, men and women's groups, young adult groups, Sunday school teachers, serving on the board, serving on Canvas. Canvas is coming up, they need people to help. You can help support the church through Canvas. Uh, So these are all things you can do. But if none of those meet your needs and you're on this journey, on one of these down here and you need some support, look around you. There are people here that will give you that support. There pe- you can build your coaches and your team around you, around your specific personal needs, to get where you want to go. And finally, let's wrap back around to the concept of a football team. And we're going to address potential overextension of the metaphor. There may be a couple of people out here that are worried about it. And I, w- I was when I was writing this. The concept of a team means there's two sides. There's the winners and the losers. We're number one. You're number two. Losers. (laughs) But spirituality should not, and in my mind, is not a competition. There's no winners or losers. And in fact, universalism is one of the two bases of our Unitarian Universalism religion. And their take on it was, there is no damnation. There's no hell. All souls go to heaven. It's just love. So I encourage you to wrap yourself in some of that love and get working. The quote in our order of service by Vince Lombardi says, we didn't lose the game. We just ran out of time. You have not run out of time. So gather your spiritual team, get out on the field of life, and start playing.